guys, welcome to the Two Girls One Nut podcast. We are a trio of millennials having real conversations about social and philosophical topics. My name is Nicole. It's Jessica here. This is Rio. How's it going? Hey guys. What's up? <laughs> Welcome back. In this episode, we are discussing toxic relationships and how they happen. Also, what you can do to grow from these relationships and how they've shaped us into who we are today. So let's just get right into it. Honestly, in my personal opinion, I'm just going to start it off. Um, I think we end up in toxic relationships, or some of us anyways, not all of us have been in toxic relationships. Some people, you know, have it good, but for the ones that got the shitty end of the stick, um, we typically have ended up in toxic relationships because of, you know, the way we grew up, I mm. think, and you observe what you observe in childhood, and that's kind of what you take into adulthood, right? Sure, yeah. Is that what you think? Um, sometimes I think, like, how you adapt into your relationship stems a lot from how your parents' relationships are. Exactly. Like, um, I grew up with no father, so mm. I think I, you know, I'm one of those people that has daddy issues or mm. had daddy issues. I... Feel like throughout my life I was like constantly looking for that love that yeah. I was missing when I was a kid yeah um, and then I also just didn't really know what I was looking for because I didn't have a benchmark of like what a man or how a man should treat a woman or mm. let alone how a man loves a woman right and I think when you don't have that um, kind of example in front of you you rely a lot on like so not social media but like TV media in media yeah media does portray just media what, in general yeah, what love is right yeah so like I think the definition, like, of a toxic relationship would be... Physical yeah. altercation. Okay, it's so... toxic. Okay, that's abuse. Okay, so, well, yeah, it could lead to physical abuse as well, but I think there's toxic relationships that don't necessarily have physical abuse. It could True. be verbal abuse, emotional abuse. True. Um, I just think that if you're in a toxic relationship, it typically includes, like, a lot of fighting mm -hmm. and um, control and lack of boundaries as well, like, mm -hmm. not respecting the other person's boundaries. Mm -hmm. And usually one person isn't really willing to take accountability for their actions right. or willing to really see how their actions are affecting that other person. Right, right. Right? So, and there's typically also, like, a lack of communication in these types of relationships as well because mm -hmm. one person is either very emotionally unavailable emotional manipulation that's involved yep and like it could be like either or of these things but yeah. it's typically a mixture of those types of you know scenarios yeah yeah but like there's obviously like many different ways that someone can emotionally manipulate you um as well as try to control your behaviors right i can give a couple examples please like, yes because i'm trying yeah. to understand so for instance uh i think like one of the toxic relationship signs would be like lack of trust right okay and yeah. i mentioned earlier is a whatever whoever's abandonment issue whatever stem from right yeah so they have lack of trust in a relationship so they're constantly calling you who are you with where are you what are you yeah. doing they want reports and you know like, like that's what? pretty toxic mm -hmm. um hostile communication like nicole mentioned like how they speak to you is is it like you wouldn't go to a stranger and just get like aggressive verbally with them right no. so imagine you know somebody does with their partner someone you're supposed to care about and you know someone that you say you love exactly or there could be also inclusive to like frequent lying right mm -hmm. and someone's constantly telling you like nobody cares about you or like you know stuff that's not true right that's that's a mm -hmm. big sign of toxic relationship in my opinion I grew up trying to please everyone. I was mm. always trying to be a people pleaser. And yeah. I think when you come from me feeling like I was a caretaker for my mom, right? Mm. And I grew up, she was a single mom and, um, you know, she did the best that she could, but I don't think she could provide that emotional security for me. Right, right. Her mood was very unstable. So I constantly felt like I was like jumping through hoops, trying mm. to like keep her stable in a mm -hmm, way and mm -hmm. not have her be mad at me or whatever so mm -hmm. I think growing up as that you grow up to try to be a people pleaser and you want to please everyone mm -hmm. and put everyone's needs before your own mm -hmm. so at the end of the day if you're always putting other people's needs before your own what do you have left for yourself it's it's uh it's 
like, much. <laughs> you're, you're not left with anything. And yeah. it's so unhealthy. And like, I think a lot of people fail to realize that if you're constantly giving and giving and giving and you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not going to be left with anything. Like in order to love someone, you need to have something in your cup to be able to give to other people. Right, right. right? I mean, it's interesting because, like, really mentioned, like, after just hearing all these examples, do you think you've ever been in toxic relationships at I didn't, all? Well, I didn't really hear any specifics, so I'll talk about it, like, realistically. Yeah. So do you yeah. still not, like, understand? Well, I, I understand. Just, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll open up myself. I'll okay. be a little bit more, yeah. um, I'll be more, uh, I'll open up my, my, my box of tricks here. But, <laughs> You're um, transparent, yeah. Exactly, transparency. So I've, I dated a girl in the past. Mm-hmm. Um... She was better looking than me, of course, Mm -hmm. but I could see this being toxic. She used to always tell me that, oh, you're so lucky to be with me. Whoa. Oh, Oh, she would like say. Really up front. How long did you guys date for? It was about two. Well, I don't want to say I'm the. Because people could kind of put two and two together. Was it like a long duration? It was a longer duration. Okay, okay. But she she always used to say that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Jokingly or seriously? I, I thought she was joking. Oh, shit. But then she would use different examples like, oh, um, she was, she always used to tell me that she used to get hit on, like, oh, daily. That's like, trying to, toxic. try to make me How would that make jealous. you feel? So, since we're talking about toxic relationships, yeah. these are examples I was asking, right? Okay, I actually so, thought of an example yeah, just so now. Let me, mm-hmm. let me finish this story. I'll let story. you finish that. <laughs> so, she used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually confronted her about it when we were, we were basically breaking up. Okay. Right, because I had, I had enough of it, right? But she, she said that she was using it as a way to... Just keep my attention. Oh. To keep me in the relationship. That is toxic. That so is that toxic. is pretty like toxic. She was That's trying manipulation. To make, she was trying yeah. to make me jealous. jealous. Yeah. yeah. So huh. that does fall into our category of emotional like, manipulation. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? So humiliation. Yeah. Since I kind of opened that up, I want to hear examples okay. from you guys. I do I, mm-hmm. I that sparked um a situation that I was in. So I was dating someone and he had very, very insecure person Mm. um he didn't seem like it on the outside but i know that he had a lot of insecurities he constantly felt like i was like cheating on him even though i wasn't and like for example we'd go to the grocery store yeah he would think i would be checking someone out Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be and he would like spot the quote-unquote hot guy first Mm. Before I did. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And then See, we, that is toxic. And then we would get into, like, these crazy fights over someone that I didn't even see. Mm. And then it got to a point where I'd be, like, scared to even look anywhere anymore. And, like, that's not a way to live life. Like, humans are meant to look around and obviously have respect for your partner and, like, have those boundaries. Obviously not checking and ogling someone out, mm. obviously, is, like, having respect for your partner. But obviously, if they are accusing you of looking and checking someone out and you literally weren't, like, it was just extremely toxic and we would always get into fights. We couldn't even go out drinking together because he would think I'd be looking at, like, someone in our, in, like, our friend group and it just always ended up in chaos. So well, That's a huge sign of insecurity. Oh, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Like, massive. So, yeah. was he one of those guys that were, like, pretending to be tough? Um, like... Like, hard exterior... But in the inside, he's actually very kind of yeah. And, and I also feel like he was just like really. Pice. No joke. <laughs> I just feel like he was really confused of, within himself too. He hadn't necessarily found himself, and that's where a lot of his insecurities may have come from. Yeah. Like I can't really say I'm not him. But that's why I asked the age question because, mm-hmm. like, for me, most of my toxic relationships happen when I was much younger. Mm-hmm. And as I get older, yeah, either I'm avoiding them more yeah. or I'm reflecting more, and I'm like you know cautious yeah. about it, right? Yeah, and like. Even my first relationship, for example, I um, was extremely controlling, mm. and we were really young, right? Like, I, that was my first relationship, and I, like, my first boyfriend, like, I didn't really know, like, what to do, and I just felt that um, he wanted to control a lot of the things that I was doing, and I mm. I wasn't, he, he would get pissed off that I got a job, yeah. or he'd get, he didn't want me to wear contact lenses or dye my hair, like, mm. it was always an issue, and it's like, if someone's trying to control something that you want to do and it's not necessarily hurting them in any way, like, I just feel like, why should someone have that control over you? Like, it should never be a control thing in a relationship, yeah. right? Yeah, you can communicate things and if something makes you feel uncomfortable, and sure, that can, it can be a conversation, but I feel like it should never be, like, you having control, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also, like, certain lines where it's just, like, 
people are being not I don't want to say confused but they, they're not fully aware of themselves or it could mm -hmm. be just like two people not compatible in general right well, like yeah. bumping heads is not toxic I'll tell you about a little well, something. Well, bumping heads is obviously normal, but it's the way that you communicate and move past Perfect. it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. if you're bumping heads and you just keep on bumping heads over the same issue over and over mm -hmm. again, then clearly there is a bigger issue at hand, right? Right, right. Well, I have trust issues, or used to have trust issues in the past, yeah. right? So I could see how I could have been toxic, like you mentioned right mm, before. Yeah. Because um, I've had situations where I never used to be jealous, mm -hmm. but then a situation happened where... I felt like my trust was broken, mm. and I had become someone that I, I, I didn't mm. want to be. Yeah. Right. Like, for example, like, you know, your girlfriend's at the club, they dance with another guy, mm. um, you're there, Yeah. but he, she lies to your face saying that, oh, I never mm. danced with another guy. Wait, wait, but, your, wait. but your friend told, this is like an example I kind of yeah. ran across, yeah. I'm not saying I've, it, it was me, but yeah. maybe it was. Okay, well, <laughs> so but I, I that's, know. that's a situation that kind of... I don't want to say made me toxic, yeah. but obviously made me a bit cautious. So what's an example of the behavior that you would exhibit that was toxic in your mind? Like, what were you doing? Well, like, that for that example, like, I don't trust... I wouldn't have trusted my girlfriend going out with just, okay. just her But how girlfriend. would you stop her from going out? I don't stop her. Oh, you so wouldn't, but you feel like... But obviously I'd be vocal about it. Okay. Just from my, from my past experiences and me being, um... Okay. Cautious with a relationship. But gotcha. by the way you're saying, it doesn't sound like you are being toxic, though. It's but, just your boundaries are there. But the thing is, I'm doing the same thing that Nicole mentioned, right? I was being, you know, jealous. But jealousy is a normal uh, emotion in human beings. Exactly. It is. It is normal. It's how you deal with your jealousy that is yeah. the critical point. But the point is, it's kind of subjective to what we're talking about, right? You need to have the context. So maybe mm -hmm. something happened in the past with your with your ex boyfriend that mm -hmm. made him super jealous as to yeah. why you're looking at she he thinks you're looking at it, different guys. It could be that, or it could also be something where they have very low self esteem slash insecurities and they don't necessarily feel good enough for said person. But right. something has could to have that. happened in the past for that to trigger. It, it could be one thing. It could be multiple things. It could be could be it could be years of being molded by your environment, like yeah. your parents, what you see on MTV. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it yeah. could be multiple things, right? But again, it, it's not the jealousy factor or having that emotion that makes you toxic. It's how you resolve those issues, right? Mm -hmm. So we, for example, three of us sitting here can be completely jealous. The same amount of jealousy, mm -hmm. right? I don't know how to gauge it, but let's just say we are. But Nicole can be jealous and just keep it to herself. You, Rio, could be a really healthy, you could be jealous, and then you, you speak to your partner about it. Mm -hmm. And I could be completely like explosive and, you know, just like yelling and like screaming to fight someone exactly okay. yeah or like just stopping my partner from doing whatever mm -hmm. like it's not about having that emotion that's mm -hmm. toxic it's how you deal with it and how you mm -hmm. like input it back out right so, exactly. so what do you think is the healthiest way to move about jealousy because obviously you said someone can just hold it all in and then it will eventually explode or there's people who are extremely reactive and will like try to fight someone for example like what's the healthiest way to deal with jealousy i think it starts with self-awareness Self-awareness. So Self-awareness to read when are you having mm -hmm. these sort of emotions. Like, uh, especially when it comes to, like, jealousy, I think you'd be described as, like, I don't know, how do you describe jealousy as a feeling? Like, what do you, what symptoms do you get? Um, I guess it maybe feels like... That one TikTok like if, video. Like, if someone's trying to steal your man or something like that, and you get kind of jealous. Like, like, you, like you don't want to lose your girlfriend or significant so, other to another person. That's scenario, but I'm talking about, or thoughts, but I'm talking about, like, what physical... Like feelings you have. Are you feeling like flustered? Are you like I feel ill. You Ill? feel ill. Like right? I feel like I want to like throw up. Basically, like, does yeah. a pit in your stomach kind yes. of thing. Yeah, and I think also it makes being me really upset. Yeah, well, that's a start in being self-aware. But then I also think like obviously being able to communicate that with your partner, and then them being able to listen, and you being able to talk about it is another. Thing that should right. be involved with when dealing with jealousy yeah no totally it's like i said back to like self-awareness is just understanding oh shit i'm starting to feel like this mm -hmm. and like there's different meditative ways right you yeah the countdown whatever you could think of whatever happy thoughts 
Um, but the point is, like, you, you have to first be aware when getting triggering. getting down to the source of like the reason, like the underlying reason, what where that feeling is coming from. Right. right? Maybe once a week, you could schedule your Sundays for a twenty minute meditation, and you could work mm -hmm. on like digging your internal like. Like, hey, where does this feeling come from? Why do I start yeah. feeling this? Or why do I do this to this person? Yeah. Um, Self-awareness would be, I think, is the first main key. How about approaching your partner so, to, yeah. to follow that? Well, communication, right? Yeah. And, but, like, at the end of the day, I think self-awareness, obviously, but the person has to be willing to do the work to see, like, why they are reacting a certain way, right? And then... Being able to communicate with your partner about that mm -hmm. is the thing that's going to resolve it, right? Like, if you're feeling jealous in a relationship, like, let's say they're talking to someone and it's making you feel jealous, and then you express it to your partner, mm -hmm. you should be able to talk about it and neutralize that situation and, like, make the person, like, feel better about it in a way, you know? Oh, totally. I think as, us as partners should be able to ask th those hard questions, because at the end of the day, when we have arguments, we don't actually go that deep. But also, I want to add a side note: is don't expect the, don't expect a, an answer like like the answer you. How do I phrase this? Like you know how sometimes like when you say certain things, you're like, it's okay, like toxic masculinity, right? We don't like to oh, talk yeah. about our feelings. Yeah, oh yeah. So like you mentioned, right? Just yeah. dig okay. deeper. But yeah. so what do you mean dig deeper? Like what is your definition of digging deeper? Like asking more questions? Just poke at it a little poke. bit more. Huh. Okay. Right, because the guy's not gonna want to show his emotion or talk about mm -hmm. it until you kind of get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, and then he'll kind of explain as to why I feel this way. That's true, but sometimes people don't really want to talk about it. Maybe some people put up a friend for the like. For and a that's long not time. a good partner. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but like maybe they need like maybe they feel more comfortable with a therapist, or maybe they. Mm. That's true, or right? they could need like some space to like rekindle their thoughts and then they can re like come back oh, like yeah. that's why I yeah say you never do it mid argument of course but that's yeah. why i say don't expect an uh, any answer right like have like plan it out but don't expect your partner to give you a rehearsed answer give it time yes correct. give it time it may not happen the first moment you try it may not happen the second yeah maybe three times a charm yeah. three times a charm the way you approach things also makes a huge difference like for example um i learned this from a therapist so like instead of stating like an accusatory term like oh like why are you doing this mm. right and approaching it that way you can be like oh like hey Jess you know um, this situation came up and it made me feel this way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of like outrightly accusing someone right off the bat right and there's a different way you can approach things right right when you're approaching your partner or even a friend it's yeah. like you can approach it in a more calm way where it's not gonna trigger them to get defensive if right, that makes sense. right i think we we also we have to remember that how we how we speak really it's not always perceived like uh, how we intended right yeah yeah people have like we'll we'll take what are you say in different contexts completely yeah. right so we just have to respect that people are different opinions as well too they think exactly. things differently but rooting back like i think with toxic relationship like i can point out multiple cases of where it starts stems at least for me, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm not saying, like, my personal environment was very toxic, yeah. but, of course, like, I think my parents could have, like, mm -hmm. done better in, in, in learning how to communicate with each other, right? It's been, like, 30-something yeah. years. They still don't know how to communicate with each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, and is that, like, a millennial problem, then? Because do you think our parents being, like, immigrants and not necessarily, like, being in survival mode and not knowing how to really communicate properly and deal with their emotions do you think that like leaked onto us and now we're having to change that and change the direction of where it's going i think it's a very interesting point i don't think i think this is much more of a deep-rooted problem than we think right and i'm talking about like going back to histories and histories like um let's go example, way back way yeah, yeah <laughs> let's go like neanderthals you know but like what i'm saying is like like if you look at like what well, when was your parents born my mom was born in 1965. 60s? Real? 60s? Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think like by then, like, you know, people were getting better. But even looking at our grandparents' age, like, I know my grandma was, like, the homemaker. Like, yeah. She had to be the homemaker. She had to, like, go earn money. She had to make sure the kids are in school. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like, feelings, like, weren't, like, even a thing. Like, people were just trying to support themselves and their families. But I feel like that was normalized. You know, like, the whole, like, cookie-cutter house, like... The, the wife is uh, cooking at home, managing everything, mm -hmm. and she shouldn't even complain about it. She didn't complain about she didn't it, complain but about was she happy? 
No, like that's what I mean. Like that was the standards, right? I of course. Assume. So that's why it's having these like um, communication barriers, right? Like I think communicating in a relationship is a new thing. Some people were like, yeah, like look at other cultures. Like for example, mm-hmm. like people are in arranged marriage. Yeah. Can't really complain. You're gonna like dishonor your whole family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like it's all like a learning journey, right? Like we're all learning, especially like in relationships. Like that's the only way for you to really learn how to have these relationship skills and communicate properly. I never knew how to communicate properly whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And it would always, like, I grew up in a house full of yelling, and yeah. we were just always yelling at each other, and that's how we communicated. I think it could stem from a lot of things, too, like I mentioned. Yeah? Well, I think it just stems from, like, how you grew up, realistically, because that's how you learn your relationship skills, is from seeing how your parents were. That's one, but even like music, right? Like for example, I used and to love so R&B. Media and how you grew up, but like when you're at the ages from like between two and seven, like you're absorbing everything. As a kid, you're literally a sponge. So like right. if you saw your parents fighting a lot, or like if you didn't have a father present, or if whoever, if your mom wasn't present, like it's gonna have like an effect on your life going into adulthood, mm. and then it's up to you to like realize that and become self-aware and like make those changes right like I've obviously been through my fair share of like uh, relationships that Mm. were not the greatest or failed and it made like every time a relationship ended it made me realize a certain thing about myself Mm. right I think you 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 hit on the dot so I think you need to have those failed relationships in order Mm. to learn about yourself yeah yeah man I failed so many relationships yes yeah you need that Right. Yeah. You, that's. I think I mentioned this in another, uh, another podcast. Um, you can't have those, you know, long term relationships out of high school because you haven't learned about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of those relationships don't last. Reason being is because you guys get into arguments, because um, of so so and so. But then you, you haven't really realized in between like why you're feeling these ways or yeah. or why you're acting this way. Right. Until those relationships ultimately end or you talk through it and have you know counseling and stuff yeah exactly like I think any relationship that ends like you could either take it one way you could either keep doing the same thing again and again and then Mm. you'll just end up yeah because you don't know any any better right yeah you only know what you know but exactly and then or when a relationship ends you're obviously in emotional pain so that like makes you realize certain things in your head right and you're like okay like why didn't it work out this way and then it it forces you to take a look at yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, what can I Massive do reflection, next time? correct. Yeah. You have to reflect and kind of realize, oh, was it my fault or was it their fault? Right? Yeah. So you this that, that whole breakup portion is basically you just kind of reflecting on yeah. that relationship and kind of learning as to, was it, was it me or was it them? Totally. Or what, what were the things that led up to the breakup? Yeah. And then you kind of figure out, oh, it, it, maybe it was me. Yeah. Right, because I did this, this, and this, I have to change it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was that person. Yeah. Right? I think, it, like, it's definitely, it goes both ways, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you still allow certain things to happen. Like, I'm not saying the victim deserves certain things. Like, let's say you were in an abusive relationship. Like, it's not like that at all. But getting into a relationship that is with someone who's, like, let's say very narcissistic. Narcissistic people are very charming and, like, funny and, like, they can suck you in and like I find with those relationships they move extremely quickly mm. right so it sucks you in and it's very comparable to being on drugs actually because of the chemicals that it produces in your brain mm. so basically like when you're falling in love your brain is producing like mass amounts of like dopamine and just those love chemicals mm. right so um, when you're getting into these relationships it moves extremely quickly and you're spending so much time together and you get hooked on this person because they are just like love bombing you right like this is a tactic that they do but essentially once they hook you in they start to what they call their mask falls and they start to show this really abusive behavior so wait but let let me finish this let me finish this like they they start to show their true side and then all of a sudden you're like what the fuck like what happened to this loving person that i knew and then you're constantly trying to chase that initial love phase right and you're trying to like get them back to that place so i think this is where the term like honeymoon phase comes in no no this is different from honeymoon phase i'm talking like have you like like i've done a lot of research in like narcissistic abuse sure and it's completely different than the honeymoon phase like yeah there's the honeymoon phase like most relationships go through the two to three months where you're like in la la land right but i feel like with narcissistic abuse 
you are on like a roller coaster ride. So it goes from highs to lows and highs to lows and you're constantly chasing that high. Okay, but taking context of what you're saying, can you pinpoint exactly how, like uh, and on average, how long when does this low start? When does the high start? I get it mm -hmm. in the, if you're talking about a course of one year relationship, mm -hmm. I see that course of like up and down, yeah. right? But in the beginning, there will always be like, oh my God, this is great. I mean, there's not really like a specific time frame that you could say, like you can't say there's like a specific time frame for a, like when you're gonna get abused, right? Like I think what a person wants when they have like control over you, like when an abuser wants control, like as long as you're living in their world and you're living by their rules, then that's when things will be stable and be good. But the moment that you go outside of that box is the moment then they're gonna start shaking things up for you. Right, right. From my own personal experience and knowing of friends who have also been in the same situations with the same type of characters. Mm, so I'm going to play so, devil's advocate with you. But let me finish my point yeah. first. So like I'm just saying that like when you're entering a relationship with someone who is narcissistic, like they have certain tactics that are meant to almost like groom you get you to a point where you're like hooked on them mm. and then all of a sudden they'll change and take that away from you like it's kind of like taking away candy from a kid yeah no i get what you mean right like yeah. i totally get it. it it's like um in a very like cynical sense it's just like it's like an adult with a child they have the power right and they, they like to control mm -hmm. that power and yeah. so i get what you're trying to say but you mentioned something about like the, the love bombing thing. So mm -hmm. I actually, actually just had to like Google and like mm -hmm. Google image what is love bombing, right? Really haven't heard that term before. But just going over some of the things here, um, when you mentioned like they move, the, the relationship tend to move really fast, mm -hmm. which I, I kind of find a little bit unfair. Like what if you're like acting an Italian and things move really fast with them? Like I'm, they're they're very romantic guys, yeah, right? That, that's that's fine. I'm not saying a relationship can't move fast, but I'm talking about specifically like narcissists people who are like they either have an like actual narcissistic personality disorder or they have like have very heavy narcissistic tendencies see the thing with narcissisms narcissist is that i feel like it tends to take a while before you can pinpoint them out we can all look That's back in retrospect yeah. and be like hey i know this person after whatever time mm -hmm. and experience i really yeah. think this person is a narcissist but i don't and think it's always easy to know definitely initial, not yeah. and that's why it's so insidious is because like you can't tell like in plain sight like these people look like they're like fun and charming and great like on mm -hmm. the outside because in real reality like it's all like a front like imagine a house that has like a nice front mm. but then the back is all just like the wood part mm. like that's kind of like what it is right like mm. it's all like a front it's almost I hate to say it, it's like they don't have a soul. And I could really sense by the way you're talking, like it was a very like impactful thing for you too. It, it definitely destroyed my life, but yeah. also changed my life in yeah. so many ways because it made me definitely stronger once I got past yeah. it. And it was very traumatic experience for me because yeah. like it's so fucked up to like be with someone who says that they love you, but then you just feel like so fucked up mm. after each and every argument and it doesn't get past anything and it just feels like slowly and slowly they're just kind of like taking over your whole life that you're just basically shrinking into yourself and you aren't even yourself anymore you lose yourself in those relationships yeah and, and it's hard it sucks because like I, i've been in similar situations like too many to name yeah but, like the overall outcome for me now mm. aside from me being mindful and awareness of myself and my mm. reactions like i have to say i'm pretty jaded you're pretty jaded. I'm pretty jaded, meaning like, I don't really feel that affection and butterflies anymore, even when I'm seeing a new partner. Mm. It's kind of like, like I have trust issues, but I'm working mm. on it myself. But like, certain so like things, you're saying, you're like not impressed if someone does those things for you. I'm more guarded. I'm more like, why are you doing this? Like, I, I was mm. going on a date with these guys, and and they're like, this one guy would be like, oh, you're so beautiful. I'm like, oh no, don't say, don't say that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it just makes me feel more uncomfortable just because of a past experience yeah which is sad because it's a beautiful compliment right totally yeah I th and i think like that's gonna come for to like your own like healing as well right like i think that you not being able to accept a compliment like that should also like make you look inwards and think about it because obviously just because you've been through one situation doesn't mean that every single person is going to be like that, right? Oh, man, I'm a work in progress, okay? Yeah, like, I'll no, be honest with no. you. And, and we, we all are. And, like, like even, like, I'm not trying, I'm trying to not become those toxic people. Like, there are so many cases where I'm just like, ah, almost toxic. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that does come off as toxic if a guy were to give you a compliment. 
and you're like, oh, thanks, and then you kind of brush it off. Mm. But then, reason being, like we talked about this before, yeah. something in your past caused that, right? Yeah, and it's kind of weird. So, like, if I just start seeing this guy and things are going well, and he calls me beautiful, and I'm like, okay, that's nice, mm. thanks. So it's know? like emotionally, what what was that that term? Uh, emotional okay. manipulation? No, not uh, lack of. Uh, Emotional, what did you guys say? Oh, un- emotionally unavailable. Un- oh, yeah, emotionally, emotionally unavailable. Yes, so that that's was- a toxic... <laughs> Wait, you're calling me emotionally unavailable? I think that would be slightly mo- emotionally unavailable. Yeah, so if I were to say, oh, Jessica, you're so beautiful. No. Oh, oh, no, no, yeah, no, 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 hold on, hold on. You can't pick a one item and say, like, that's... that's no, like, but... But that's what the, I'm trying to say. From the, Triggered! <laughs> from, the, from the... Like, for example, this is the first date. That's the first thing I would get from you. Oh, she's emotionally unavailable. Because she's not the same compliment. No! Whoa, 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 hold on. I could choose to act in the way I need to and want to. But I mean, if if it requ- the situation requires me to give an explanation, then I will. Right? But if, if I just start seeing the guy, like, how much of my, like, childhood traumas do I want to unload on a new date? Well, I'm not saying yeah. you have to. I'm just saying that this is what I'm getting from you as a man mm-hmm. and I, dating I think a, a woman, right? Maybe I am an emotional man. Fuck. Maybe got lots to think about tonight. But that's what I'm saying. Oh, so there's fuck. toxic, there's toxic relationships. But at the end of the day, we sometimes may not see it as toxic. That well, that's what the, was the point I was that's trying to get to day. earlier. Like yeah. mm-hmm. these things we were we were reading off online, right? It was kind of like, well, this could be like kind of debated. Like mm-hmm. you know, it could be perception based. Yeah. Like it, it's very like on the edge, but. But for some odd reason, Nicole and I really do know because maybe we well because it. we've experienced certain yeah. things and like we know how it feels. So I think we can speak from personal experience, okay. obviously without sharing the actual full story. Yeah. Um. But I think because if you've gone through it, like I think abuse is something that you can only ex- like understand if you've really been through it, man. But I also know like really big dr- drama mamas, you know. Yeah, and like, like I think oh men, my God, men, he didn't buy yeah. me Maybe with a Gucci purse about... I wanted. What? What? I shouldn't have talked about personal social life. That's okay. Well, that's all right. Okay. We can maybe edit it out. Ah, yeah. oh, whatever. Yeah, well, we'll see. Dirty laundry <laughs> is out in the air. It'll be fine. That's not fair. Uh, what do you mean? I'm putting out. My okay, I'll give you here. my toxic You'll experience. Be... Okay. That's not fair. So, so what do you mean? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you mine. I'll give you I'm mine. I'm putting my heart on the line here. I need you guys to help me out too. I put my heart on the line too. I've, I've. Okay, so let's go through Jessica's book of exes. Yeah, Thank you. it's time. So, it's time for I'll feel, you. I'll feel better now. So because we get to hear man, okay. you guys' stories. So I dated this one guy, and he was super controlling. He was ten years older than me, and that could have been like first yellow flag, I would say. Mm. But anyways, I'll skip a whole bunch of details. We dated for a lot of years. Owes me a lot of money. Still does. Um, but the point is, um, he was so toxic. Because we would, like, I lived at home, he lived at his home, and sometimes, you know, it's kind of a distance, like, from his town to my town, probably, like, two hours. And, like, so sometimes, like, you know, like, when you're in a relationship, you probably, like, do a Skype call before bed, and da-da-da. So there was one time I was, like, super exhausted, and we were on Skype, and I'm like, I'm gonna pass out. He's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I could just leave it here, I'm gonna watch you sleep. (laughs) Yeah. And then... And then um, I passed out, right? And then the next day, I look at my phone call. There was like 120 missed calls. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's true oh story. Yeah. And, and then I finally called him back, right? And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's just like, there was a guy in your room. I saw, blah, blah, blah. And this is like my family. Like, he's completely what? psycho. My mouth is on the floor right it, now. Yeah, he was, complete, he was on a lot of drugs as well, too. But, like, he was just going complete psycho. And, and like... I'll skip a bunch more details, but like basically yeah. at the end when we, when I decide to end this relationship with him, um, he would even call my work. Um, so I worked at a hotel at the time at the front desk. He would constantly call, and it would be like me slamming the phone. Right? Jesus. Yeah, like that was a very like toxic relationship. I'll say that's a the, like what we talk about codependency. Yeah. And just jealousy. Um, would you say that's an emotional? Possessive. Would yeah. you say that's emotional manipulation as well? Oh, 100%, yeah. Right. Like, he was, like, constantly saying, like, he will, I will never find anyone better than him. And mm. that, like, um... What that's he, controlling, too. Yeah, completely. Like, I, I could check out all the marks there, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't comfortable. Like, it was it was a big breakthrough. Like, after, like, the relationship ended, and it completely changed my life. Like, I yeah. started loving myself more. I started recognizing things I need to do for myself, things I didn't have to tolerate. Yeah. Um, and I'll be even brutally honest sharing this with you guys. 
in the beginning of the relationship, um, I was also going through a depression myself, like a mediocre one. And um, I also even said like, oh man, I feel like this is the last guy I'll ever date kind of situation. Mm. So I felt like if this relationship didn't work out, I, there would be no other chances for me. And I don't remember why I thought that way. But at that time, like I was like, what, probably like tw- in my 20s, like early 20s. And so that relationship lasted like about three years in total, way longer than it should have, right? And afterwards, you felt drained after each one of these situations, Completely. Right? Like, Nicole it, mentioned it too. She, yeah. she felt like she was always drained after the yeah. relationship. Oh, yeah. I was in a complete like bad space, like yeah. mind space. He, um, This guy would not even let me like go home to see my family sometimes. Isolation. Yeah, uh, yeah complete isolation. It, it's complete textbook, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll even share it, be honest, like it got even really abusive between him and mm-hmm. I too, right? So like, yeah, it got really physical yeah. and I would fight back and, you know, there was just it was not healthy at yeah. all, mm-hmm. right? And but the the best part is, like I said, um, once that relationship ended, I I completely found myself again. Yeah. That's the biggest yeah. thing, and I'm happy you mentioned that. Yeah, like it, it completely changed me. Like I, what I really want to put out there is like people gotta fight through it. Yeah, you know, you fight for yourself, love yourself. Yeah, because right? if you're in that type of situation, in in that relationship where you're basically codependent on another person, yeah, or vice versa, it's it's like you're having another weight on your shoulder well, and it's like right? you lose so, your identity and then when you break up then you start to find yourself because three yeah. years is a long time mm. yeah because that means you two are basically just one individual at mm. the end of the day yeah but then you guys broke up and you started finding yourself mm-hmm. um how did that feel though like that must have feel, felt like a million bucks initially well initially it didn't initially it, it sucks because yeah feel, I, i've been through that before breakups it feels like you've lost a huge part yeah. of yourself. Well, it, okay, so three years was a long time, and obviously, like, my parents were aware of this person I was dating. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also the first time I cried to my parents. Um, yeah, I, I completely, like, I never really... Like, you opened up to them I opened it? up to them, I completely cried, and um, they were really accepting of, like, they kind of were aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't know to what extent, like, our, our relationship, how toxic the relationship was, yeah. right? Um, but so ever since then, yeah, it really sucked and I was, uh, doing my best, but I knew I wanted to get away from the relationship. It mm-hmm. felt complete freedom while I was, yeah. once, once it was ended. Right. Um, but the after effects was, it wasn't that bad. Like I just started like, like kept reminding myself, love yourself, yeah. love yourself. You don't want that relationship ever again. Yeah. So you do everything you can to prevent that. 100 percent yeah like you have to definitely heal and take the time to heal from those types of situations good for you i'm happy yeah and i think the biggest thing is to the audience that that are listening uh when you do go through these breakups you don't want to overcorrect as well overcorrect and overcorrect meaning you've gone through the relationship you find you find it was abusive and whatever have you Mm. all these things but you don't want to go for the complete opposite of that Mm. right yeah i've definitely been there Cause like when I got out of um, a, one of the relationships that I was in, it was also almost three years, mm. and it was one where he was just extremely emotionally unavailable. He also had I'm not, okay. I'm not gonna put too much details because then they'll be able to pinpoint who it was. But um, <laughs> basically, he had no emotions, and every time I tried to express myself, he would basically like put up this wall. Uh, right. And then this is compared to your previous ex. Um, right? Yeah. So I'm just gonna compare like the relationship after that I got into. Mm-hmm. So like after I got out of that relationship where I felt like there was no emotional um, reciprocity, wait, I didn't say that right, emotional validation of any sort, um, I essentially went to a relationship where he was extremely emotional, like Mm. overtly emotional. So I Mm. went from one side of the spectrum to another. Right, right. So. Yeah, which is basically an overcorrection. I've done that before too. Yeah. And initially it's awesome, but at at the end of the day, this is a person that you're not initially would be attracted to in the long run. Hmm. That's what I think. That's, That's what I thought. I, unfortunately, like, right after that relationship, I didn't date. I actually took a two-year celibacy. That's good. Um, I took two years completely, like, no fit, like, reset. Mm. Like, it was like a, a Buddhist... That's amazing. Yeah, because that's the thing. When people yeah. break up, they're called rebounds. Yeah. These people that you overcorrect with, right? And that's why these rebounds don't last a long time. Sorry, I'm so... Because <laughs> my mind just went so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, we, not not too dirty, but you know, yeah. if you want to get into like a rebound relationship, I'm saying, yeah, then obviously you're overcorrecting with a completely yeah. wrong person. But for I feel like that's just like putting out like more negativity back in the world. Like you're 
like when you're seeking a rebound, you're already not in a mental, mm-hmm. uh, healthy mental state, right? Exactly. And by you going out there getting a rebound, you're per, you're kind of like inputting more of that negative state of mind to other people, and that's why it becomes like mm-hmm. an endless cycle of fuck boy, mm-hmm. fuck girls, whatever you want to call it, toxic. Yeah. You know. So what you did is perfect. You took that two years to basically yeah. learn about yourself and learn about the experience yeah. and reflect. Yeah. yeah. And would you say after the two years and you started dating it was amazing for you? amazing? For you? Yeah, like I was like on this like complete journey of like um so at the at the end of the two year celibacy, I started dating again and I did on the hundred fifty first dates. Mm-hmm. Uh which I mentioned previously. Yeah. In the previous episode. So I'll explain later on in the future but why I did that. But yeah. really when I was on I the, need to know. <laughs> it's actually really fun. But when I did the 151st dates, like, I started going on dates with people I don't normally say yes to because I don't want to fall into the same routine again. Mm-hmm. So I started saying, like, guys who are not on my, my type, I let my friends sway for me, and I'll be like, hmm. I'll be fine. Like, you know, like, I'll try a different... That seems like... That seems exhausting. Just, like, <laughs> 150. Come yeah. Down. Yeah. But I had, a, I had a really strong motivation behind yeah. it, too, right? Like, it, and I'll, I'll share the story one well, day. I think you need to do that in order to find out what type of guy you like yeah yeah you need to have that courting experience yeah yeah not jumping from like three-year relationships two-year relationships yeah yeah well to each of their own sometimes it works for others sometimes it doesn't i mean i'm guilty of that like i definitely would say that and can admit that i was a serial dater like i wouldn't take much space in between yeah relationships and i would just be like hopping from one relationship to another because i was just constantly searching for that external validation Mm. and maybe like avoiding looking inwards at myself and like saying like okay like what's the reason that like I'm ending up in these situations like what mm-hmm. am I looking for right mm-hmm. outside of myself I don't know I think with toxic relationships aside from like looking out like inwards and like making sure you're not in one you're not being one also I think it would be helpful to for friends to remind friends yes right I think like if we have our support group our support community like yeah. we can prevent a lot of these like toxic issues right like yeah. stemming up from like male masculinity yeah. i'm not just pointing out one yeah it could be like from like abnormal like childhood traumas yeah. right yeah like if we are all in a community and we're reminding each other hey i noticed how you were speaking to your boyfriend maybe you should tone it down a little bit or you know if a friend comes to you with their relationship problems just let an open gear and yeah give pointers like hey that's not healthy or this yeah. is mm-hmm. all right you know yeah and i feel in, when you have your first relationship ever it's hard to listen to your friends because mm. you don't know any better mm. right you think like, things you are mean going your first well, relationship your first ever relationship because oh. you need like we talked about this before you need to have those breakups yeah. in order to, to learn fair yeah because for me, like, I never listened to my friends. Oh, you know what? He's just, she's just doing this. How old that. were you when you were got in your first relationship? My first ever relationship was probably in high school. Okay. That doesn't okay. count, though. So like, I feel like relationship was I, probably... It counts. No, that was like... Yeah. That was it, like it, baby puppy It doesn't, it doesn't, because I feel like you're so young at that point that your brain isn't even fully formed at that age. Like, you're not even, like, thinking logically. It's just kind of like puppy love, like puppy you said. Puppy love. <laughs> like, it is a real relationship. In a way, it's like, it's like the training wheels of a relationship. Confession. What? I have unconditional love for my high school sweetheart. Aww. Aww. I do. He is... I, we're not... We're friends. Yeah. But, like, I won't... I, we can't be together. Mm-hmm. We won't be together. Like... Uh, height difference. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, but, like... Um, oh, <laughs> height difference? I outgrew him so much. much. I outgrew yeah, him. Anyways, yeah. Um, but he... I will always have unconditional love for this person. I wish him well. And, and, and that's I'll, awesome. Like, I'll I think confess too. I'll, yeah. I'll say the same thing for my, what? not high school sweetheart, but the my longest relationship. So you guys are like on good terms, like basically. Um, like decent. We could, we, I guess we could talk to each other pretty, yeah. pretty well, but yeah. you know, after having such a long relationship, like it was seven years. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. To, to be honest, I have that unconditional love. There's always a piece. Thought. Yeah, there's also there's also that love in my heart. Yeah, right. But to be honest, I think that's healthy in a way because, yeah. like for me, like for most of my exes, like the situation, like the closure has been neutralized yeah. to a point where, like, if we were to see each other, like if we were to cross paths, like it wouldn't be awkward or I wouldn't try to like run away and hide in the bushes. It would just kind of be like a oh <laughs> like hi. But it wouldn't be like a thing because I feel like I closed off that part of my life and came to terms as to why it ended and like yes, why. That's why I see it. Wait, hold exactly, on. Exactly, coming so to terms with it. So I was closing that relationship. Closing and it. 
basically just seeing it as like as a learning experience and neutralizing the situation because i feel like if you have like certain memory if you have certain feelings like still towards a past ex where it's like a feeling of like oh like i hate this person yeah like you're still holding on to something of that and it still has a hold on you in a way and it's still going to trigger a part of you right like i think a whole part of healing is getting to a point where you can like talk about a certain situation wait, wait, wait. and not necessarily get triggered by a situation. Hold on, what? but like if I see that same toxic ex again, he could die in front of me and I won't no, call. No, I'm, ta- I'm not. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not joking. No, listen. I'm not talking about the toxic ones. I'm oh. not talk- no, no, not the toxic ones. Because yeah, with the toxic ones that I was in, like if I saw them, then yeah, hell no. Like, yeah. No, but I'm talking about the ones where it wasn't like a terrible ending where it came to an end and then I like realize or we both realize like okay this is why we shouldn't be together and close that situation off but there's not necessarily any hard feelings I would say obviously with the abusive ones like it's so funny in your head there's like filing compartments for everything but but like I find with the abusive relationships you're not going to find closure with that person necessarily like you have to find that closure within yourself yes that could be different though because what if you had broken up with that toxic ex but you see that they have actually really changed and they learn from the experience valid but did they actually though they or are actually they just, changed how do you know they actually changed though okay so for the sake I, of conversation I would, let's I would say, say i was toxic in my other relationship without knowing it and i learned so much mm-hmm. from that long relationship mm-hmm. that i had and i didn't know i was being toxic until, yeah. it, until it ended that's this is why i'm yeah. saying it on the podcast because i've had mm-hmm. that experience i guess like so i'm just I trying would, to differentiate like toxic versus abuse though like I feel like if oh, someone, never been abusive, yeah, yeah, like you've never been abusive. So like, obviously, like we, I think we've all admitted that we could all be toxic and you can obviously become self-aware and learn from those situations. Yes. So that's great. Like people can change, of course, don't get me wrong. But obviously if someone was abusive towards you and like, for example, your ex that mm. called you 120 times mm. and you're saying that he can go to hell basically. Well, that's pretty right? bad, yeah. Mm. So that situation, right? Like you're not going to get closure from him specifically. So you had to find that within yourself, no? Mm. Yes. Okay, right? I see that. So those types of people, like it's going to be very hard for them to necessarily change. And typically I find those types of people, they will try to pretend they've changed to try to get you back in their circle if that makes sense no no. that's something that i've experienced sure okay that's one aspect of it but like but i think yeah the just seeing that x that did change genuinely then i think that's like the biggest reward biggest reward like just like feeling like that i'm learning that this person actually changed their ways and for the better after the fact after the relationship so it's it's, because when you break up you feel like oh you know what i'm Mm -hmm. never gonna be the same without this person Mm -hmm. but it's nice to see that the breakup actually created, you know, a different trajectory created, in that like, person's life. Created, like, positive impact. A positive yeah. impact on that person's life. And I agree. You, you knowing that it wouldn't have worked out together. I would feel like such a sacrifice, man. No. What do you mean, a sacrifice? Because like, oh, it man. wouldn't have happened un- unless you had broken up and that person would have learned. Maybe down the yeah. line you guys would get back together. Uh, no, 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 no I don't want to get back. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. That's, that's what I'm saying. We're bouncing so many thoughts in my head right now. But it's, a, it's, it's just a rewarding feeling to know that even if it didn't work out together, you know, you actually made a good impact. Yeah, on no, that, I think life. that's definitely a good feeling. I can definitely relate. Like, right, so from having... toxic to positive. Sure, sure, I'm happy for human but beings. Like, but, like, fuck like you, motherfucker, no, for like, abusing like, me. <laughs> I think I'm not talking about the abusive. I'm talking I... about, the, you know, the, the, the partially yeah. toxic, and they learn from the experience. You know, well, I think, like, when you're exiting, like, a toxic relationship, like you're saying, like, and you see that, like, oh, after the years, they've changed, and, like, I think it's a good feeling knowing that, okay, they became a better woman or man and now they can go into a new relationship and be happy. Like, I think it just comes down to feeling happy for someone being happy. Yeah. Okay, right? so so here, nine out of ten of my relationships are toxic. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. It's a lot. Damn. And it was a lot because I didn't really find myself or I didn't go through those questions. I had to, like, be self-aware only until, like, three years ago. So even anything beforehand... Except for high school sweetheart, everything was really fairly toxic. So what changed? What changed? Yeah. How did you get out of that loop of toxicity? Me personally, I had to like leave the country, start finding myself, giving yeah. me myself. So like time. an eat, pray, love type thing. It's very similar. Actually, yeah, yeah, very That's similar. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So I actually had to physically like remove myself from my my city and and like okay, well I'm in the middle of nowhere by myself. Mm-hmm. What else am I gonna do? Like think, right? Yeah. So whereas like I guess back in my home base, like there were so many noise. So many people always around me, so much like things to do. So it was when I really gave myself that peace and mind to myself, mm-hmm. right? 
That's amazing. Yeah. Proud of you for doing that. Thank That's you. Amazing. But, but what I was going back to is like nine out of ten ratio, right? And so with that said, it's it, it took a lot to like like it took a lot to break out of that routine. Yeah. Right. It, it's not always easy to be aware. It's not easy always mm-hmm. easy to be addressed. But you know. Yeah, I think going through pain and going through emotional pain is definitely a huge thing that pushes you to really look at yourself, mm. right? So, um, but I just want to ask you one last question since you have been through, you know, mm. a- abusive slash toxic situations yourself. Mm. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is currently in a toxic slash possibly abusive situation at the moment? What would you say to them? Love yourself. Love yourself. You'll know what to do. Love yourself. Okay. It's in your gut. Love yourself in what way? Like, how would you say, like, go go deeper into that? Like, so I have this theory um, that I've, I nab from Jordan Peterson, and that would simply be treat yourself as if you are your own child. So hmm. if your child is dating, you know, a person like your partner, how would you feel? Yeah. Right? If you are discomforted by it, then... You know, you should do something, you want to say something, you know, speak to yourself. Yeah, right. True. And I think, like like you guys said earlier, having that support, whether that be friends or mm. family, is so important um, if you're trying to get through something like this because it, you, I just don't think it's easy to get through it alone if you don't have that emotional support from others around you. Mm. What would you say, Rio? What I would say is there's an underlying something that triggered this and you have to communicate with your partner. Okay, but you need to communicate. Communicate, but what if that person is receptive? If they're not receptive, then either go to therapy or find another partner. Go to therapy. Yeah, go to therapy. I think going to therapy would really help. But but communication is key in order to fix these issues. Word. Word. If you cannot communicate with your partner, then you need to find a new partner. That's what Mm, I would say. True that. I agree. Yeah, because they don't they don't see what they're doing because they think it's normal. Yeah. So they need to be. They need to have that communication in order to pinpoint what they're doing wrong. Yeah. In order to better themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True that. That that's could some, save a lot of relationships. That's I think. some good advice for sure. And not everybody's not made for everyone. Exactly. Find so, your person. Find your person. Go, take your time after those breakups. Go, <laughs> don't jump into another relationship. Go to therapy. Work on yourself. Do some shrooms. No. <laughs> You're still trying. <laughs> Do not, do not do shrooms. Oh my god. But yeah, so um, yeah, I just want to wrap it up and give any resources out there for anyone who may be in a toxic, abusive relationship. There are resources like hotlines that you can call that are 24-7. So there's the Domestic Abuse Services Hotline, which is one 833 Or if you're not really into the phone call thing, I just actually learned this today. You can text the word HOME to 741-741 for free 24-7 crisis counseling. So yeah, um, I hope that you guys got something from this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to send us a DM on Instagram and also give us a follow at the Two Girls One Nut Podcast and we will catch you in the next episode. Okay, bye. Bye. See you guys.